Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. Hello and welcome into the show. Always fun to talk Broncos football with John, even though I don't think we have any idea what to expect from uh, this Broncos team. John, from week to week, we have no clue. Uh, but we'll get you know we'll get into all that, including this tough loss to Philly. But first, uh, just a quick shout out to all our listeners. We appreciate you all. Subscribe to the show for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever works best for you. Just search for the uh, Broncos Wire, and you should be able to find us pretty easily. All right, John, so I saw your tweet, which the thread on your tweet with Broncos Twitter was probably the most entertaining thing I saw all weekend, so congratulations. Teddy Bridgewater's business decision not to tackle Darius Slay as he ran down the field for his uh, you know game-sealing touchdown run has been the talk of everyone, right? Uh, national media, Broncos Twitter, all that. Like That's just been everybody's got an opinion about Teddy Bridgewater. Your gut reaction that you put out there on your, in your tweet was that you didn't expect Teddy Bridgewater to have to go make a tackle. That's not his job. And that the offense, I'm paraphrasing, but that the offense would be in a worse spot if Teddy Bridgewater hurt himself trying to make a tackle. Like, you know, maybe a guy like Baker Mayfield would do or something like that. So just better off not having to make that tackle. But Broncos Twitter basically lost their minds on you, right, John? <laughs> so to take me through that whole situation. That was That was a rough couple hours for you. Yeah, Broncos Twitter took my head off. Even Ray Crockett, their former former safety, and Cr- Crockett, I give him a lot of credit because he was at least kind and respectful about it. A lot of people were not. But Crockett, like I took his point. He was like, yes, it's not his job, but sometimes you got to do stuff that's not your job. Just lay it all on the line just to win the game. And I was like, okay, that's a fair enough point. But like, like you said, my overall point was he's – He's got to protect himself because he's your quarterback. If if Teddy Bridgewater gets a concussion, like I, I guess there are still Drew Locke truthers out there, but I feel like from the sample size we have from Drew Locke, he's not making the offense any better than it has been. And in all likelihood, it would probably be worse with Drew Locke. So they'd be worse off without their starting quarterback. And like you mentioned, Baker Mayfield, he tried to make a tackle on a turnover, and it messed up his shoulder. And I think that shoulder has still been bothering him even since he's come back from the injury. So I just, like, in the moment, just firing off the tweet, I was like, like, I'm not mad about that. That's not Bridgewater's job. Like, he's protecting himself. I'm not mad at him for protecting himself. And everybody just freaked out. And then... I doubled down in the moment and I made the biggest mistake I could have made. I said, if Tom Brady opted not to tackle on a return, nobody would freak out about it. And that was, that was a poor tweet on my part because everybody rightfully was like, Hey John, you idiot. Teddy Bridgewater is not Tom Brady. Like he, (laughs) he hasn't like, you know, and so in, in hindsight, I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Like I agree with you guys. He should have shown effort, but like, I guess just my overall, coming away from it is just like I'm not as mad at him about I'm not as mad at him as everyone else is like I agree he should have shown effort but like I don't want my quarterback like diving at uh Slay's legs and getting a knee to the helmet like you can so see that being a concussion especially just a few weeks from him having another one so like yes I agree with everybody that freaked out on me on Twitter he should have shown effort but to me it's just it People are literally calling like Rex Ryan said you bench him for that. And I disagree with that. Like Vic Fangio 
he he kind of caught him out a little bit, and Fangio wasn't happy about it. But he's still, he's not going to go to the extent to bench him. It's just like, hey, Teddy, give us some effort there. And Teddy, like to Teddy's credit, this is another thing I tweeted the next day. Like Teddy, he didn't have to meet the media. A lot of times on Monday, only Fangio meets the media, but Teddy did meet the media, and he owned up to it. He said it was bad. He should he said he should have showed effort, and so he owned. And then I tweeted, and I was like, Broncos fans aren't happy that he didn't make an effort, but you have to like that he owned up to it. And everybody freaked out on me again. Some go, Somebody was like, you know he's not going to be your best friend, right, John? And I was like, dude, just a couple weeks ago, I was calling for them to start Drew Locke because I thought the season was lost. Like, I don't care what Teddy Bridgewater thinks I think about him. Like, I'm not trying to be his buddy. I'm just tweeting how I feel about it. Like, in the moment, I once said not upset, and then when he owned up to it, I was like, hey, kudos to owning up for it. Like, it doesn't excuse it, but it's just like – Goodness, people! Like, Twitter is not a—I guess it's not a very healthy space. Like, you told me before we were recording that it was a very entertaining thread to you, and I was like, "Well, I'm glad it was entertaining to you because for me, it, it honestly annoyed me a little bit." But you know, that's football. That's fans. That's being a fanatic. Like, it's okay to have different opinions on it. It's not a happy place. I would say Twitter is not a happy yeah, place. Yeah, no, God. it's not. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so here's here's what I would say. The only thing I'm mad about with your tweet is that you tried to backpedal a little bit. You got to stick to your take, John. Even if you're even if you're making the Broncos country bad, you you have to stick to it. You can't backpedal. So that's the one mistake you made. And yes, you know, get Tom Brady out of your mouth. Come on. Come on, Tom, John. <laughs> what are you doing? I think, you know, I think you you were on the right track. Like Teddy Bridgewater has mad injury history, right? Like he's had some nasty injuries in his career. He's come back from them. That's one of the reasons why we all adore Teddy Bridgewater that he's been able to bounce back from some of these you know, career-threatening injuries that he's had. And I agree with you to an extent that the quarterback, half the quarterbacks in the league aren't going to, like, stick their nose in and try to, like, you know, body slam a player. But just, I think, you got it. There's some, it's somewhere in the middle, right? Bridgewater has to just roll on the ground, do something to just two-hand touch, do something to disrupt the play because he's the last line of defense there. And when you watch the clip, the worst part about it isn't necessarily him bailing out it's the fact that he hands the football off to Gordon and he's just standing there, John, and watching the play develop. And the play just develops right at him. And he is the last man of defense at that point. When Slay does whatever he does, kicks the ball, picks it up, runs around, all of a sudden he's running down the field. Bridgewater's the last guy. You just got to do something. Be a speed bump. I don't know. Get down, but roll in front of him. I don't know. Do something to like change his direction or slow him up enough for the real football players to come and tackle him. You know what I'm saying? So that's where yeah. I think you you were on the right track, but you should have stuck to your guns, John. Don't let Broncos Twitter get you down. I, I backpedaled a little just because it, in the moment I said what I said. And then, every like I said, Ray Crockett and other people, they brought up points. And I was like, okay, that's a fair point. Okay, that's a fair point. So I was like, okay. I concede that he should have made an effort, but overall, like, I'm still not freaking out about it. Like, I, you're probably right. I should have stuck to my initial thought. But, like, I think it's okay to have an opinion and then get, like, different viewpoints of it and kind of change it a little bit. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess now I'm trying to cover myself. But you mentioned there how he was just standing there when Gordon ran the ball and fumbled it. Like, I feel like that is something that we should – not get lost in this whole Bridgewater conversation like Gordon if he doesn't put the ball on the ground this never happens so like if you're mad at anyone like of course like I get people are mad at Bridgewater there's what we've been ranting about to begin the podcast but like if you want to be mad at someone I I would be more mad at Melvin Gordon I know that's not a popular take 
because everybody's so ticked off at Bridgewater. But I just like if if Gordon doesn't put that ball on the ground, Bridgewater is not in that situation to begin with. Like literally, just put two hands on the ball, get one yard, and go down. Even if you don't go down, just protect the the dumb ball. Like we see. Yeah, we see Javante Williams so many times just barrel through guys. And even if he doesn't always get through them, like he always has two hands on the ball. He's always protecting it. And if he goes down, he goes down with the ball. Like it's just, it's a reoccurring problem for Gordon. I think we're going to get into that a little bit later. But it's yep, just, yep. that's another thing with Bridgewater where it's like he shouldn't have even been in that position to begin with because his teammate put the ball on the ground, which should not happen. Teddy Bridgewater's public enemy number one, John Heath of the Broncos Wire, public enemy number two. <laughs> I, I never saw that coming, John. You're like the nicest guy ever. Like uh, People are so mad at you. I have bigger beef with the coaches, and specifically Vic Fangio. I have a little rant that I have to get off my chest, John. You know exactly where I'm going with this. I just You're just going to have to give me a couple minutes to get this off my chest, and I'll feel a lot better. Uh, and we will do it right after this. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number 11. Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts versus the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans' weakness is its pass defense, and while we've seen somewhat of a transformation by the Eagles into a power running team all of a sudden, expect a return to the aerial game as the primary source of attack. New Orleans ranks as the third worst defense against quarterbacks in the last five weeks. More recently, in the last three games, this unit has given up 47.6% more fantasy points per game than the league average. Both of the rushing scores by quarterbacks against the Saints have come in the most recent two contests, and it never hurts to have Jalen's legs as a bonus. Tennessee Titans running back Deontay Foreman against the Houston Texans. Houston is one of three teams that has allowed more than 1,000 rushing yards so far, and they've done so in only nine games played. Also, this unit has given up the second most rushing yards in that time on a per-game basis. Six touchdowns have been scored in the last four games against this group, and one in every 20.6 rushing attempts has found the end zone for the sixth highest rate. While Foreman will share some touches in the backfield, he has potential for a touchdown and should be good for close to 70 total yards. Not too bad for a flex spot. An even better play should come from wide receiver T. Higgins, Cincinnati Bengals at Las Vegas Raiders. Higgins has scored 13 PPR points and change in each of the last three games, but he remains scoreless in five appearances since week two. The Raiders have been mired by injuries and personnel woes of late, going from being one of the stronger defenses of the position on the year to giving up six of seven total touchdowns to wide receivers in the last four games alone. Coming out of the bye, Higgins is due for a touchdown. New Orleans Saints tight end Adam Troutman at the Philadelphia Eagles. Eight different tight ends have scored 10 plus PPR points points on the year versus Philadelphia, and all but one happened in the last five weeks. Five of those eight touchdowns have come in the last six games, and this is among the best possible matchups for the week. In the last three games, Troutman has been targeted at least five times in each contest, and he's finally starting to show the signs of life that made him an early offseason sleeper prior to being derailed by an injury. He's a flyer for a touchdown and could be a hot DFS play. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John, I agree with you. I wouldn't, I don't put the Teddy Bridgewater situation where it's a benching and it, we got to get Drew Locke and it's over with Teddy Bridgewater. But 
If I was the it, Broncos brass right now, and I know this would never happen, but if just in a hypothetical situation where I was in charge, I would fire the head coach. I would fire the head coach during the bye week because I cannot stand the whole... The, okay, so I know a lot of Broncos fans enjoyed the sound from Fangio in the post game. How about them Broncos? And, you know, kind of talking crap about how great he is and how he called the defense perfectly and how nobody was playing the Cowboys right. And that's how he shut down, you know, the juggernaut offense in the NFL. And boy, he he felt really good about himself. Broncos fans loved it. And I, I get why, because, you know, after the Von Miller trade, everybody was writing the Broncos off. Their backs were against the wall and they came out and said, you know what? We're not done. So, yeah, you got to give them their flowers. Right. But sorry, Vic. Right. Like. You can't come back and then get blasted by the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> and then tell us in the post game of this post game, John, and say, oh, wow, we really had trouble with Jalen Hurts in that running game. What, the running game with Jalen Hurts, Jordan Howard, who was just on the practice squad, Boston Scott. Like, what are you talking about, Vic? So, okay, so you were the best defense in the league against Dallas, and then you laid an egg against Philly. Like, okay, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater didn't stick his nose in there and make the tackle. But you also gave up over 200 rushing yards to this Eagles team, right? I know some injuries might have played into that a little bit, John, and I know you'll school me on that. But I'm looking at Fangio and saying, dude, you're so great. You shut down the Cowboys and you couldn't beat Philadelphia. You beat Philly. Everything's in front of you right now. And then you just put yourself in a terrible spot with the Chiefs winning. Like, the Chiefs are back on top. Now we have to see if they're going to run away with it. Like, I don't know. I think you could argue that the season ended. I know there's they're... They're far from out of it mathematically, but I think the season could have ended in Philadelphia because you couldn't figure out how to stop Jalen Hurts and their crappy running backs. Like, are you kidding me? You don't get to shake your ass at the podium, John, and say, ha, 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 look how great I am, and then lay an egg at home to Philadelphia, which is a mediocre team at best. So yeah. I got beef with Fangio, and I think he's definitely on the hot seat. I think he's gone at the end of the year, but if I was in charge, I'd be done with him right now. Just like, enough of you. Okay, thank you. I had to get that off my chest. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not defending him because just like you said, uh, like we we keep going back and harping on the Browns game, but it's just like that. That Browns game was a winnable game. This Eagles game was a winnable game. Like it's not like the Eagles are some great team, and you're playing at home, and you should have momentum and feel good coming off a big win over the Cowboys. And like you say, you just go out and lay an egg. Like it's just. It's not acceptable. Like the Broncos are so this is what I was worried about last week when we were recording the Cowboys pod. I was like, I'm a little worried that like that it's a little bit of fool's gold and we're gonna get back to reality and the Broncos are just gonna hover yep. right around five hundred. They just you keep like it. bouncing yep. back and forth. And it's just it's so annoying. Like when we talked about like I said I wasn't mad at the Rams like going all in and going for it. Like this is the kind of thing that like I'm not opposed to going all in because I hate this. I hate being stuck in the middle because they're not quite good enough to compete for the playoffs. Like you said, mathematically they are, but it feels like at the end of the season they won't be. Like they're and at this very moment they're not in the playoff picture. They're in the hunt, but they're not in the playoff picture. So they're not quite good enough for the playoffs. But they're also like on pace for like the 15th overall pick in the draft. Like of course you don't want to root for a losing but like i'd rather have a high draft pick than just be 500 middle of the road like go all in and go for it or at least like tank like they're not going to purposely tank so i guess i can't call for them to tank but it's just it's such a frustrating place to be in and it's so annoying and i do think that you're right that a lot of it falls on Fangio, but we've talked about it before. I think because of the ownership and stuff, I don't think he's going anywhere right now. If they fire him, I think it would be after the season ends. And even then he might even get another year, but that's, 
that's something to address in the offseason. I'm unsatisfied with him too. I'm unsatisfied with the Broncos overall. And just it's it's not just Fangio, like it's the whole coaching staff. Like Pat Shermer, he had COVID last week and hopefully he gets over that and is fine health wise. But with him not being available for the game, I was like, hmm, this will be interesting. Like Mike Chula, the quarterback's coach. Like I said a couple weeks ago, I was like, fire Pat Shermer and make uh Mike Shula, the offensive coordinator. And I was like, well, this will give us a nice little preview. Like if the offense comes out and is way better without Shermer, like that will just tell us that maybe he's a big part of the problem and we should just turn over to Shula. But with Shula, it was the same old, same old. Like they couldn't get anything done in the red zone. Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams both had like around 10 touches again, which is just, it drives me crazy because for the longest time in that Eagles game, late into the third quarter, like when that Darius Slay, uh, fumble return happened it was only a seven point game and they had a blocked field goal too so it could have even been closer than that and the blocked field goal that goes on Tom McMahon the special teams coordinator like I do not know how McMahon still has a job and Fangio said in his Monday presser they're not uh, making changes at, on special teams leadership so McMahon at least for now he's sticking around too so it's just like every week there's a special teams blunder and on offense it's just even though it was a close game they just will not like feature Javante and even if they want to split them evenly and keep them both fresh Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams I'm like okay whatever but give them at least like you know 15 carries a game like we can run the ball 30 times a game that's not outlandish the Eagles just did it to us and but they just I don't know why and in key moments they feature Melvin Gordon instead of Javante Williams and I don't understand that either because uh, Javante Williams has been so explosive and he just he's held on to the ball better like if you go back and look at his college numbers and I know college is not exactly the NFL, so it's not complete like for like. But from what we've seen from Javante Williams, he holds onto the ball better. So I just – the offense, it was uninspiring again. It couldn't get the job done in the red zone. There was frustrating play calling. So, like, clearly Mike Shermer, he's kind of a Pat – or, excuse me, Mike Shula. He's kind of a Pat Shermer understudy. So I just feel like we're kind of stuck with this coaching staff because if they fire Shermer, which I don't think Fangio would do, the in-house candidate doesn't seem like he's any – upgrade and on special teams Fangio is sticking with McMahon I have no idea why maybe just because they don't really have an in-house candidate to replace him and you don't really you don't hire someone in the middle of the season so I I think we're just stuck with this coaching staff for the rest of the season and it's just kind of frustrating because it's just the same results over and over and honestly like at some point, I'm just kind of looking forward to the offseason and changes happening. The, the Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams thing is another thing that I just can't understand, John. I mean, you drafted Javante Williams. You moved up in the second round for him. He's your future. Melvin Gordon's going to be gone after this year. He's not your future. And for them to continue to feature him in these big spots, fourth and one, around the goal line, I mean, I guess the only argument you can really make is that Gordon has a, a nose for the end zone. He's got seven touchdowns on the year. So he's good at getting into the end zone. I guess yeah, but he gets that. all the carries, he does. too. Williams yeah. hasn't had an opportunity. Right. He gets all the opportunities. Yeah, you're right. He gets most of them, at least. Uh, when Javante gets a carry around the goal line, it does. It feels few and far between. He's got a few, but it, not a lot. Not enough. And I went through and just picked away at the stats a little bit. You know, Gordon and Javante, their their numbers are very similar. Javante's gotten 103 attempts, and Melvin Gordon's gotten, I think, like 118 or something like that. But... Javante Williams is averaging more yards per carry. He's averaging five yards per carry. And you take away that 70-yard touchdown run that Gordon had at the end of the game against the Giants, which I think they just hit a play there in the Giants. They kind of they kind of whiffed on that play. It was uh, is kind of an outlier because Melvin Gordon has a 70-yard run against the Giants, but his long run of the year outside of that is only 15 yards, John. 15. 
I think it was this past week, he had a 15-yard run against the Eagles. And that was his longest of the year. Whereas Javante Williams, we've seen, a, like you said, he's carried de- he's carried defenders with him. He's had five games this year with at least a 20-plus run, and he's had four with 30-plus yard runs. Why isn't he getting the carries? He's had less carries than Melvin Gordon. If you take away that 70-yard touchdown run, which is clearly an outlier, Melvin Gordon's averaging 3.9 yards per carry to Javante Williams' is five yards per carry. Why is Melvin Gordon continually featured? That is that is frustrating to me when we know Gordon's going to be gone and we know Javante is going to be the guy next year. I, I cannot make sense of this at all. Yeah, I, I can't either. I'm right there with you. Williams, he's just been so explosive. He's so hard to tackle. Pro Football Focus did a cool stat where he had like more broken tackles than 19 NFL teams had on run plays. And I was just like, well, and last year, Williams, he led college football in broken tackles. Like he's just he's so he's such a physical runner. And it's not that just it's not like four yards and a cloud of dust. Like you said, he breaks off like 20 yard runs. And it, it seems to happen like basically every single week. And it's like, what if you give him like 15, 20 carries and let him get warmed up? And where the defense down, like the defense is getting worn down from Gordon and Williams, but I just feel like kind of they they are pretty much splitting them almost 50-50. But I feel like move it to like 66 or 60-40 and make Williams the 60 guy and make Williams your fourth down guy, make him your goal line guy. Like in all the important situations when they're sticking with Gordon, I say put Williams because like you said Gordon's going to be a free agent next year and he's getting up there for uh, a running back so it's very very unlikely in my mind that he's going to be re-signed so if Williams is your future in the backfield like get him going now like why not because at Gordon he's fumbled two times in the last three games and he's fumbled 20 times in his career like it's clearly a problem so I just I don't understand why they're trusting him. Like when we've seen over and over again, he doesn't deserve to be trusted, not to this extent. Yeah, it's like it's a fatal flaw of these old school kind of coaches, John. These older coaches where they're just they're just so married to their veteran players. They just don't. They always favor the veterans over the young guys. And Vic Fangio does it a lot. You know, like Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke, and J- Melvin Gordon over Javante Williams. Like this is just something you could probably find a bunch of examples of that. Go down the line. I, it's just something. It's a. Pro, it's not a just a Broncos thing. It's it, that's league wide with these old school coaches. They hate playing their young players. Don't ask me why. Even when the young players look like they're better. So that one continues to be frustrating. Uh, okay, so coming up next, we don't have a game this week. We have a bye. So I'm just going to throw some some questions at John from around the league. And also, let's answer this one. And Broncos fans will roll their eyes because they know where I'm going with this. But is it over? Did the Broncos lose to the Philadelphia Eagles? And are there chances now in the AFC West and ultimately the AFC playoff race over? John and I will talk about that coming up next. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Los Angeles Chargers. Our friends at Typical Sportsbook have the Chargers laying five and a half. Money lines plus 200 for the Steelers, minus 250 for the LA Chargers, and the total is sitting at 46 and a half. I'm taking the underdog Steelers at plus five and a half. Uh, um, the Steelers have a huge edge in the coaching matchup between Mike Tomlin and Brandon Staley. They're much better on third down and red z- and in the red zone. The Chargers have a negative differential in third down and red zone conversion rate. Also, if you blindly fade the more popular side, which is the Chargers, you win 63% of your primetime games this season. Nate, how are you looking at this game? 
I'm going with the under 46.5. The Chargers by far have the worst rush defense in the league. Pittsburgh is 25th in opponent's rushing yards per game. It's going to be a lot of running, a lot of killing the clock, especially if we don't know Big Ben's status. I'm going with the under. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John, I saw your tweet about how the Broncos on paper, and you did you did a good job to put on paper. I think you put it in parentheses. <laughs> good for you. Good good job. On paper, the Broncos are still alive in the AFC West because you have five division games ahead of you, right? But a few hours after you blew, like we said, a golden opportunity at home against a mediocre Eagles team, the Chiefs looked like the Chiefs, didn't they? Against the yeah, Raiders, the they Chiefs looked are back. Like the, they looked like the Chiefs. Now, We'll see. I I half expect the Chiefs to beat the Cowboys this weekend and then just be back, back, right? The jury's still out if they're actually back. But for one game, damn, they looked pretty good on the road in Vegas, and they really punked that Raiders team. So the Chiefs are, they found their way back on top of the division because the Broncos and the Chargers decided to lose this past week. And now I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I think it's over. I think it's over. I'm looking on Tipico. The Broncos are plus 1,200 to win the AFC West. So if you're a wild and crazy Broncos fan who hates money, you could go ahead and bet $100 to get back $1,300. I don't recommend that. Yeah, $100 to get back 1300 if you're if you're wild and you hate money and you hate $100 bills, you could do that. <laughs> but, John, this is kind of, this is startling and this is concerning. I looked at the schedule. You know the Broncos have only beaten two AFC teams this year? Mm-hmm. The Jags and the Jets. That's it. They've only beaten two AFC <laughs> powerhouses. Yeah, I was talking about all those losses they had, those four straight losses to AFC teams ahead of them. You've lo- you've only beaten the Jags and Jets. Your other wins were against the NFC. So uh, I, I I feel like it's over. I feel like you know, and I and I was going to go here no matter what if they lost that Philly game. If they beat Philly, I was going to be all in on a playoff push. I don't know how. And I, again, I should stop myself. Yeah, even if they beat Philly, they still would only have beaten the Jets and the Jags and the AFC. I get that. <laughs> but I just feel worse about them now going into the bye. And I just, I know the AFC is wide open and nobody wants to win the thing. And if you're two games under 500, you're probably in the hunt in this freaking conference. But I just have this feeling the Chiefs are going to run away with it. And there's too many teams to leapfrog. And the Broncos just aren't that good. Because if you were good, you would have beat the Eagles at home. So uh, I'm, I think it's over. What do you think? Yeah, I think when you look at the math, like it's a big if, but if the Raiders and Chargers lose during the Broncos bye week, then they're all going to be five and five going into week 12. And if the Chiefs lose to the Cowboys, the Chiefs will have the same amount of losses as everyone else in the division and only one more win. So like just on the math, like you have to say like it's still possible but I completely understand what you're saying. Like, it feels like it's over. Like, it feels like the Chiefs are back. And I think if the Chargers can beat the Chiefs, I think the Chargers could give them a run for their money. And even though Justin Herbert, he's kind of had a little bit of a tough time, I think he's going to get it figured out. I think the Chargers will be there competing for the division at the end of the year. But just in general, it feels like the Chiefs are back to being the favorites in the AFC West. And, like, even though it's close right now, and the Broncos, like, if the Chiefs lose to the Cowboys and then the, 
the Raiders and the Chargers lose, like come and then say the Broncos beat the Chargers at home, then they're going to the Chiefs, like going into that game. If like everything goes perfectly, we could be like, oh man, if the Broncos beat the Chiefs, like they'll be in contention for the West. But like, first of all, they have to beat the Chargers, which is not guaranteed, especially after you couldn't beat the Eagles. And then after that, like you're going to the Chiefs who you haven't beaten since Peyton Manning was your quarterback. So like you just, I cannot like if they beat the Chiefs twice, yeah, they can win the AFC West. Definitely. Or even if they yep. just split with the Chiefs and like uh get some wins on the Chargers and the Raiders, like mathematically they have a shot, but just they look good or at least decent one week and then terrible the next week. Like I have no confidence in picking them to play. They, they have five division games left. And like, that's huge because they control their own fate. But I just, I can't picture them taking advantage of it because they just haven't so far this season. What a different storyline we would have had if they just blow out the, the Cowboys and then come home, beat the Eagles and go to the bye week. We yeah. would have had a, such a better storyline, better we opportunity. We would feel so good right yeah, now. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, believe me, my whole tone would be different. But you know me. Negative Nancy over here. I can't help myself. I, I just feel like that loss spoke volumes to me. I, I just thought that was a game they had to have. Let's end it here, John. Kind of a fun one. Uh, we've had two weeks filled with ridiculous upsets, right? Heavily favored teams going down, which which is why mathematically you've got to keep your eye on the Broncos, right? Any These teams lose all the time. If you're a six or seven point favorite or higher, you're going to lose basically in the NFL these days, right? Happened to the Ravens on Thursday night. Happened to the Bucks. Uh, the freaking Steelers tied the Lions? Are you kidding me? Like, there's, there's all <laughs> well, this they stuff did have Ben Roethlisberger, to be a little fair. I don't care if you're playing quarterback, John. you got to beat the Lions <laughs> at home, right? Come on. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. No, Thanks I, for putting I, some you, faith in my arm. You you could have done a good job. And Mason Rudolph was throwing four-yard passes. You could have done that, too. Um, all right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle off a couple of spreads that are high, on the higher side this week, and I want you to pick a team that you think is in trouble, the, the biggest uh, upset watch for this week. All right? You ready for this? Okay. All right. Ravens at Bears. The Ravens are six and a half point favorites. Lions at Browns. The Browns are nine and a half point favorites. Coming oh, off man. That blowout loss to the Patriots. Uh, Bucks at Giants. The Bucks are favored by now. It was 11 and a half. It's now down to 10 and a half. Tom Brady, he always just can't, he, he can't figure it out against the Giants, John. He's had some nightmares against the Giants in his career. Uh, you could probably think of a couple right off the top of your head, right? Uh, and for some reason, the Giants just have his number. It doesn't matter what uniform he's wearing, who's on the other side. It's the laundry. The Giants' laundry always scares Tom Brady. So I'm, I'm worried for Tom in that game against the Giants. Uh, again, Bucks favored by 10.5. The uh, Colts are at Buffalo. The Bills are favored by 7.5. And, and my Patriots going to Atlanta, 6.5-point favorites on Thursday night. What team that's heavily favored do you think is in most in danger of uh, upset watch this week. What do you think? What did you say the Browns Lions was that the matchup? What was their line? Nine and a half. Nine Kirk. like I think the Browns would win that game, but nine and a half I feel like is a really big difference. But with the Lions, they're gonna feel good even though it's just a tie, like a once and a loss coming off. And like the Browns have been so bad. But then again, like the Browns are kind of like the Broncos. One week they look awful and then the next week they look terrible so i i feel like the lions could keep that game much closer than that big of a spread but i would still pick the browns to to win it so man i don't know i feel like the bucks i think they're okay against the giants i don't think they're losing that game especially because tom brady i feel like when he loses a game like they lost the next week he comes out so angry ready to prove something so yeah just just to win the game I don't know. I don't know. But I think maybe we parlay far- all these teams, parlay Ravens, Browns, Bucks, Bills, <laughs> Pats are all going to win. No, I, I don't know. 
I think if you're going on the spread, the the Browns one is what I would be the most intrigued by. Same. Yeah, that 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 spread just jumps off the page, nine and a half. And I do think ten and a half for the Bucks at Giants. For some reason, man, Tom Brady going into that MetLife Stadium to play the Giants. There's something weird. I don't know. I'm telling True. you. Something in the water. True. But the, actually, the pick I'm going to make is Bears. Ravens at Bears. Chicago's coming off a bye week. They just played the Steelers really tough. And the Ravens are just not that good. They're just not. I've been saying it on whoever will listen to me, John. I've been screaming. <laughs> the Ravens aren't that good. The Ravens aren't that good. And uh, I, 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 picked the, uh, I picked the Bears a couple weeks ago. I said, no matter what the spread is, I'm taking the Bears. I'm a little upset that the Ravens lost to the Dolphins last week because I think they're going to be yeah. more focused. Yeah, but I'm sticking with it. My take was that the Bears are going to win this game at home. I said that to Alyssa Barbieri of the Bears Wire, so I'm sticking with it. So my pick's going to be the Bears, but I've lost a little bit of confidence because of the Dolphins. Even though I did enjoy that the Ravens could not get a first down against the Dolphins, I did enjoy <laughs> that because I've been saying all year that the Ravens kind of suck. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, but like you said, I think I would lose a lot of confidence. It's a weird thing, but like when a team loses like that. It just it feels like like you said they're going to be more focused coming back the next week. But I like you sticking with your pick. You got to stick with your word there. Right, just like just like you, John. Just remember, next time you have a tweet that goes viral <laughs> with Broncos country, stick with it. Stick with it. Tune Don't... out everything everybody uh-huh. says. If yeah. valid points or not. Don't read stick the comments. With your hot take. Don't read the comments when it gets ratioed like that. Right when you have more <laughs> comments than likes. You taught me that. I didn't even know what that meant. But when it gets ratioed, using the using the terms all the kids know on social media. Um, <laughs> Just don't don't look at the comments at that point. Or you already yeah, know where it's going. That's probably a yeah. very wise suggestion yeah, yeah. for my mental health. Don't turn off the comments, but don't read them, John. Don't read the yeah. don't read the comments. So yeah, so I think Ravens at Bears that'll be fun. Lamar Jackson against uh, Justin Fields, but I mean, come on, Dak Prescott versus Patrick Mahomes. That's the game, right? That's the one we're all gonna be tuning into. That's gonna be awesome. Let's go. What a game. What a matchup. Big time. And now that the Broncos stomp the Cowboys, everybody in Denver can be big Dallas fans yep, this yep, week. Definitely. Broncos country. Chiefs. Yep. Broncos country. Big fans of Mike McCarthy. They love him going for fourth downs now. He was three for three last week doing it. Don't worry, Broncos. <laughs> they do that all the time. It wasn't personal. It wasn't personal. They went for it three times against the Atlanta Falcons on fourth down. So, yeah. So, we're all rooting for the Cowboys. Should be fun. For John, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. It was a good show this week. That was fun, John. I I like you being public enemy number one. That that was good. (laughs) That was really good. I did enjoy it. Uh, We will catch you all after the bye. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.